Okay, okay, okay. Hey, do you know who produces the milk you drink? This man named Dean, I think. <laughs> Perfect, thank you. I know about Lamer's Dairy. Oh boy, I have no idea. Great, thank you. <laughs> It's Eli, and Fallon, and Phoebe, and Joey, and we're here to tell you about America's Dairyland. Wisconsin relies heavily on the dairy industry for economic stability and growth. Who makes this possible? Not Dean. In fact, 80% of the workers on dairy farms are immigrants. The year-round production of dairy products demands a reliable workforce, and often these workers migrate north from Texas and Mexico to work on large dairy farms where they can find work. We spoke to Mariah Hennon of the Legal Action Wisconsin, based in the Milwaukee area, who works to combat the routine injustices facing migrant workers across this state. Mariah's doing some awesome work, which consists of traveling around the state advocating and educating on behalf of this vulnerable population and their rights. She's so cool. I agree. And she helped us bring to light and expose and discover the injustices that the dairy workers we rely so heavily on face every day. So there are just a few things we want to address before we get started with our interview with Mariah. So just a few terms we want to run over really quick. So CAFO, which will come up quite often, which we are talking about throughout this whole podcast, stands for Concentrated Animal Feeding Operation. Um, and these are just really, they're highly concentrated around the Appleton area here in Wisconsin. So these are huge farms with thousands of cows generally can be hogs can be chickens but what we're what we've kind of been focused on is the dairy production and then h2a workers uh this term will come up a few times with mariah and this basically just means migrant workers and laborers who are here legally with paperwork so they have visas to be here to work and then we also just wanted to address the role of mass agriculture in the u.s and in this how it pertains to our project and just that in general it's really hard on the environment and hard on workers and hard on animals and just generally a really bad system for everybody and so I think it's important that we address that a lot of these farm owners and farmers don't have a lot of choices in Air Force to use migrant labor because and they don't have a lot of other options uh, because they have so many cows and there's such a high demand for the dairy to be produced and there's so many animals that they need people working all the time so we just want to address that we are not trying to demonize farmers in any way we know that they are working within a system that forces them to use this labor that being said I think it's really important to criticize it and to address it and make it known to the public and to everybody who drinks milk. So without further ado, we'll get started. So what, what percent or like, you know, what, how, how many of Wisconsin workers, um, like the migrant workers come not from the U.S. versus um, up from Texas, I think, like you mentioned, um, like mm -hmm. what, what's the what's the ratio there? So historically, Wisconsin, almost all of the farm workers migrated from Texas. And there's a couple towns in, in Texas specifically, so kind of along Rio Grande River. So there's like Eagle Pass, Brownsville, McAllen, that was kind of the area where a lot of our, our client population came from. H-2A workers are usually almost like 99% of the time men. They're often very young. So 
so ranging from the ages of like 18 to 25, 30. And they, they are, may have families back in Mexico, but they are, they're not able to bring their families with them when they come to the U.S. And so it's always, um, usually almost always groups of single men with uh, these visas for um, 40% of all dairy, for, dairy farm employees are immigrants. So, and that's in Wisconsin specifically. Um, so it's a huge number. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Mariah, I have another question. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. For this podcast, we're particularly interested in like themes of injustice, especially for minority groups. Uh-huh. And, and so my question to you is, um, you mentioned like wage theft and labor trafficking. Does that, I mean, is that like disproportionately affect um, like these minority Latino populations and Mexican um, immigrants? Or, I mean, or is there a large, you know, is there like white working class Wisconsinites out in the field that this happens yeah. to as well? Um, so that's a good question. So historically, farm workers have always been persons of color. Um, if you look back into the history of like, the agricultural history of the United States and think about like mass agriculture and the foundings of U.S., it's all slavery and it's slaves doing this work, so black Africans. And that hasn't, the systems have obviously changed in some ways, but the, the idea that we need an exploited or a group of people to do this work that most folks don't want to do hasn't changed. Um, and that means that still today, most farm workers are people of color um, and are definitely exploited in, in, in their workplace. So it's going to depend a little bit state by state. Obviously, the vast majority of farm workers in the U.S. are uh, Latinos or of Latino heritage, mostly Mexicans, though not everyone are, are of Mexican heritage. And in Wisconsin, that's definitely true. So again, I don't have exact numbers, but the overwhelming majority of farm workers are Latino. And that is true also for becoming more true, I should say, for dairy workers. If we think of the dairy industry, that's a little bit different, right? Because um, at least historically in Wisconsin, most dairy, obviously Wisconsin's full of or has historically been full of dairy farms. And historically, most of those dairy farms were family run, right? They were pretty small. Mm-hmm. You had like 15 to 20 cows. It was like you and your kids and your family running those farms. But what we're seeing in the dairy industry right now, and this has been in the last probably 10, five to 10 years, is that small family farms, dairy farms are becoming unsustainable. Their family dairy farms are really uh, collapsing, unfortunately. And so as that's happening, there's still a, a great demand for milk and, and dairy products. And what's happening is that these farms are, these small farms are collapsing and we're seeing a consolidation of farms um, and the growth of huge, large, like corporate dairy farms, right? Those CAFOs, which are concentrated agricultural feeding operations. Um, and especially like if you guys are interested and you drive around like Appleton or the Greenberry Door County area, that's a hub for a lot of these CAFO dairy farms. Um, mm-hmm. And they might have several thousand cows. And our estimate is if you have, for every 100 cows that you have, you would need at least one worker. And so if you think about farms, these huge farms that have, you know, 3,000 to 4,000 cows, we're talking you know, numerous workers have to be there. And these farms also, they milk 24 hours. So historically, dairy farms, you know, would have had like maybe two milkings at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. But these giant farms are milking 24-7 to keep up with, I mean, the amount of cows that they have. So you have workers, you need workers all the time, and you need them working 24-7. 
so we we learned that there's a lot of social justice issues and worker related issues that happen that Mariah just elaborated on. But we wondered if there were any environmental issues that were affecting these workers um, to related to environmental justice. And we had Mariah explain some issues that she has interacted with. Environmentally, CAFOs are not the best thing. They are just obviously have lots of concerning factors for the environment, but they're also, I think if you think environmentally, like the, the types of chemicals and cleaning products and, and stuff that's needed to both clean the cows and clean the, the farms, we do hear of workers getting exposed to those, and that can be a huge health risk. For farm workers, um, pesticide exposure is a huge deal. Unfortunately, there are definitely not numbers on pesticide exposure in Wisconsin for farm workers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of reasons that a, a worker would not port definitely. exposure to pesticides. Um mm-hmm. But it, we know it happens. Also, if you long term, um, obviously, even if you don't have a emergency type issue with um, pesticides, you are likely being exposed daily, which um, can have lasting impacts on your health. In addition, I, I think something that has been coming up more and more frequently, which I think is really interesting, you guys might find this interesting, is the effects on climate change um, and the incredible, like, increased heat and, um, and weather patterns that we're seeing obviously all over the U.S., but also in Wisconsin. Um, if you think about workers who are, you know, working outside all the time, that is where their jobs are, um, they're very vulnerable to, to changes in weather and especially in, in extreme or increased heat. Um, so we actually have a group of clients who were working in Georgia originally, so these are guest workers, they're H-2A workers. They came to Georgia and worked there for a couple couple weeks, and one of their co-workers died of heat exhaustion, heat exhaustion in the mm-hmm. field. And then they came to Wisconsin and later had other issues in Wisconsin. But um, I think that's an example of, of just like the impacts that the climate can really have on, on workers, and especially because a lot of workers are unfortunately not trained or taught about, you know, what the signs of heat exhaustion and that sort of thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, workers are incredibly vulnerable mm-hmm. to, to environmental issues. But in Wisconsin, there's actually a state law for written for farm workers, which is pretty unique. Not many states have a state law specifically written for farm workers. Um, and that is another good option for us to bring claims to. Yeah, so that's a state option as well. Okay, okay, great. Wow. And so our, our last question then um, is, is how common are these injustices for migrant workers? Is it the norm that this stuff happens? And then, you know, like, uh, do, do you receive calls every day? I would say, unfortunately, um, abuse in the agricultural realm, whether that's traditional farm workers, migrant farm workers, or dairy workers, is incredibly common. Um, And we, you know, don't get reports of every single abuse that happens. But um, I know it happens constantly. I think, so during the summer months, we get inundated with calls because that's when most people are in Wisconsin. Um, During the winter, it slows down a little bit. Um, But it also, I think a large part of our work and why I do so much outreach and work with others to do outreach is because um, our clients are, our client population are are so isolated, right? And they might not 
have a driver's license, they might have access to a car, they might be living in employer-provided housing right on the farm or the dairy. Um, and if you don't go out there to talk to them and let them know about services that are available, they're never, they might never know that, one, they have the right to you know, get XYZ thing, or they might never know that someone is available and willing to help them with those issues. And so while we try to do outreach, I know there are people that we're not, you know, meeting or hearing or getting to. And so I'm, I'm, I know we're not getting all of the issues reported to us. So unfortunately, it's incredibly common and it's kind of an inherent, inherent to, I think, our, the U.S. agricultural system, just abuse. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say that all employers are terrible. There are, you know people who really want to do the right thing um, and are trying to treat their workers with dignity and respect. Um, But I would say, unfortunately, abuse is incredibly common. We'd just like to give Mariah another thank you. Uh, Her work was really inspiring and uh, had a great conversation with us. Um, And without her, lots of these issues would go unaddressed and remain in the shadows. Now let's uh, get into some reactions. Well, quite a powerful end, I would say. Quite a intense, uh, intense final thought to leave you sitting with. I think something that's important that to remember is that maybe after listening to this, our listeners might feel might be wondering how this directly relates to environmental justice in a lot of ways, because it's it it falls definitely into social justice, yeah. um, and I think that sometimes it can get a little fuzzy, like, where the environmental injustices are exactly in this workplace and in in these environments. Um, And I guess I'd just like to, like, remind myself and remind others that environmental justice kind of defines our environments as, or defines the environment as the places that we work and live and play and so definitely our places of employment should be included in this. Yeah. I think also like having a system that predisposes people to dangerous or extreme working conditions, a specific group of people that don't necessarily feel all the benefits of that work is mm-hmm. a classic. Like also considering that like if work is our environment as well, then <laughs> I mean, alright, so I just what gets me is that the reason there are migrant laborers is one because these people have no other options and it's horrendous work. I mean, it's, well, I don't know about horrendous, but it's... It's grueling. Yeah, it's grueling. And that's the reason that local farmers, um, well, in the the 90s when farms were consolidating and the milk industry was expanding, they had to keep up and the local community, neighbors, family, like wasn't willing to do that kind of work. And so now these migrant laborers are, are subject to it. And although they're being provided with the source of work, I think it's sort of unjust that it's their only option. You know, it shouldn't justify them going through these conditions. I like what Joey said about like the, the system behind it. Because, yeah, it's really sad that also the dairy farm owners had to be put in a situation that like they felt exploiting minority groups was their only option in order to survive and to like put food on their tables 
and it's this the whole system that's behind that 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 forces them to do these injustices to other people that's tough like like people should like employers shouldn't be uncomfortable with their employee or like with the, right. the fact of these like of how the work is being mm-hmm. done and then also like knowing that these injustices are there it's like oh that's just a nasty situation all around mm-hmm. and it's sad too because they have no legal recourse once something like wage theft happens right they can't do anything because if they go to the law the law will I mean, it'll be deported and I mean even the H2A workers are very vulnerable right yeah hearing Mariah talk about like having these issues with their employers and like employers not paying them or things like that but not wanting them to do anything about it mm-hmm. and just like wait till I'm away and then mm-hmm. maybe I'll call you but like not having that option is scary yeah it's horrible and it, this is not something that happens like every once in a while but yeah. it's like every yeah. day yeah we are the state with like the most CAFOs and therefore like I mean, this is where it all happens. It's like our backyard. Yeah, this is yes. what we're known for. This yeah. is what Wisconsin is known for. It's yeah. America's dairy land. Yeah. And I just think the implications in that, like, there's this happy place where these cows are roaming on grass. I mean, I feel like most people know that that's not the case, that the cows aren't happy, <laughs> probably on these capos, if they know that capos exist. Like, yeah. is this, is this like the culture, like, culture we want to uphold like this is the reality of America's Dairyland today like I know dairy is part of Wisconsin's identity but like therefore this now is also part of Wisconsin's identity right like these injustices the fact that the dairy industry is struggling Mm -hmm. puts more strain on them to not pay their workers so right I think it's easy to be like, we shouldn't support those industries at all, right. which ultimately, like, That's yeah, tricky. I agree, you know? Yeah. And maybe one day we will move into a world and a society where we don't, like, rely so heavily on animal products. But, like, I do think that just completely quitting the dairy industry will probably make these abuses happen even more frequently. And yeah, more that's intensely. really tough. So I think if people are wondering what they can do, just educate yourself. Know where your milk is coming from. Call your, call the farmers that are near you that you think your milk is coming from. I guess. Well, and I think that's where Mariah's work is so important. You know, in bringing attention to these injustices and advocacy work and helping those that don't have access to all the help is super important yeah in the education of the general public and these issues mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think it's good to acknowledge like our privilege and being able to make this we were like able to call a kfo and have a conversation with her like and we weren't like scared for our safety for the most part and like just to explore this this issue that so many people like it's just their daily experience mariah said that the milkings go on 24 mm-hmm. 24 hours yeah. 65 baby